Michael Heyman and you're listening to a special Changemakers collaboration with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Over the course of this series, we will be spotlighting some of the world's most innovative, luxurious and sustainable hotels and the partnerships and double acts behind them. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Wilbert Das and Bob Shevlin, founders of Ushua, Casa Hotel and Spa. Looking for a base for a holiday, the two immediately fell in love with the magnificent Atlantic coastline, bohemian atmosphere and deserted beach, beaches of the town of Transcoso in Brazil. And it wasn't long before they saw the potential for something bigger. In 2006, the hotel and spa was born, carved out of a collection of original fishermen's houses, assurers inspired by authentic craftsmanship and preservation. To tell us more, Wilbur and Bob, welcome to Changemakers. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I mean, it, it sounds and looks magical. Who'd like to introduce the destination to us? So I arrived here in 2004, first time, kind of by accident on a travel. Got stuck here alone as the only tourist in this place, Troncoso, in the south of Bahia. Not being in love at the first sight, but yeah, after three, four days, I started to completely grow into this place. And by two weeks of being here, fell in love with the place, came back. Had Bob come over with me to show him the place. Basically, that became our, our steady holiday place for the next coming two two years. Let's go back just just so so Wilbur, you you fell for it first off. You saw it. You saw the potential. Yeah. Bob, you've never been there. You get there for the first time. What did you see? Yeah, it was just a really tranquil place, a little bit stuck in time. It was a colonial village and very small little fisherman houses around a town square, which is basically like a green, I think you call it in, in the UK, is just a grassy town square with a church on one end overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. And not much more than that. And, and under the hill, spectacular beaches, empty beaches. It is scenery from a movie or something. But the people are a kind of a special ingredient. In, in Brazil, Brazilians are famously warm people. Bahia, the state of Bahia in Brazil, is kind of known in, in Brazil as like the capital of happiness. The people are very gracious and very welcoming. And you don't have any sensation of being a stranger there. I love the capital of happiness. That's a really, I mean, is that, is that the thing? I mean, you know, because obviously when you look at things like websites and you read the articles, I mean, it, it's a sort of, I mean, you get a sense of a place, but in terms of the spirit of the place, is that, is happiness, Will, but what you fell for, what you fell in love with, do you think? Definitely a very emotional trip, that first one, and all the ones that came afterwards. Because if you, you feel the idea of that there is this little town square is very, how do you say, very simple. The life is very simple, but also the construction of this place is very simple and it's completely carless. Mm. There, there are no cars inside, there's no transport, there's, there's not a, a big connection to the, the outside world as we, as we know it, city life, for example. They're also very feet on the ground. They're very... Grounded. The places are simple. That is what, what caught me most. But, uh, but from the get-go, the environment has been a major part of the project. I was reading a piece in the Times which talked about the hotel as being luxury with a clear conscience because of the, the real commitment to environmentalism from the get-go. If you were to bring some of the features to life in terms of what, what, what guests and what people can, can sort of experience from, from that side of being respectful to the planet, mindful about its resources, and actually 
not feeling like you're part of the problem. Bob, what would you what would you say about about it? So the well, first idea was that that we started to make, to make a hotel out of homes that were already existing, and that we kept exactly as are from the outside. And basically, on the inside, we kept the same spirit. We just changed them to spaces that are more of, of nowadays. But, but Bob, you you've been an activist in this space. I was reading your your biography. How, how does the how does the activist become the hotelier? Well, I think for me, from the very beginning, Wilbur and I, we, we had a background in, in fashion and Wilbur, a spectacularly successful career and mine, pretty, pretty successful uh, as well. And at a certain point, you got to find the reason to get up in the morning. You got to find the motivation and just selling more clothing, getting more money. It, it just really wasn't it for me. And I think Wilbur as well. When we discovered Trancoso, for me, it was just like this opportunity to make a business which would be successful, but through its success, set a kind of example, what a business can be. Because we're not doing philanthropy in, in the sense of just giving. We're really trying to make a profitable and successful brand that just does everything right. That, that's just what the pursuit was doing, about. Doing good and doing well as well. Doing, yeah. And, exactly. and I have to admit, having someone like Wilbert, you know, if, if you can get a spectacular talent who's willing to not just say they're, they're going to walk away from the corporate world, but actually do it, then, then the potential is really incredible. And that, that's what I had in, in Trencoso is Wilbur was willing to locate himself down there, dedicate himself to working with craft and, and local artisans and uh, make a project which is supposed to be kind of exemplary, an example of what you can do. Mm. You can be profitable and you can leave a really, really good mark on the world. Well, but I mean, I'm, I'm interested. At what point does the kind of creative genius, as I've, I've heard, I've, I've read you describe the creative genius behind Diesel, suddenly decide, you know what, I'm going to be a great hotelier and I'm going to be a destination creator. I mean, let's fill in the gap between that sort of like the morning that you woke up and thought, I'm going to do something completely different. You know, actually, it wasn't even like that. It, I, I decided one day to leave that, that, that the heavy uh, fashion life with a lot of pressure. And with a little bit of guilt in, in my mind of over flooding the world with products that maybe not everybody needs all the time. My first idea was actually to do nothing after this, after this life. And then this, this whole Trancoso thing happened. And then after two or three months, I had to do something. I, I couldn't live my life on a beach. That was the, that was the idea. So that, at that moment, we started building things. Built one house, two house, three house. Ended up with nine at the beginning. Now I think we're with 13. And in the meantime, I've built more than 20 other homes around here. It's just the idea that I can't stop creating things, making things. So the creative the, spirit the difference, is there. The big difference nowadays is that I'm making things that will stay. Mm. Well, before it was things that had a very short life. And uh, this is things that will change my life, other people's lives, and for a longer time. So I get the creativity and I get the activism. What have you learned about becoming hospitality and hotel creators in terms of creating a destination experience for your guest bowl? Oh, I would say 
follow your vision. And of, of course, we're not in a, in a corporate hospitality. We have a boutique hotel, but I always loved hotels that had a distinct personality. I loved hotels founded by people who just seemed like they were in love with the destination and needed to share it and mm -hmm. needed to like call everyone to come and experience it. And I think that's what we were in Trancoso. We just really love this destination. We want all of our friends, all of our family to come there and see that you can mix this kind of modernity and a very kind of primitive atmosphere together in a tasteful way. That, that for me is, is what I learned. If you have a vision of really what you think hospitality should be about, you know us as a brand, but actually if you come to our hotel, there's no branding. It is really a little bit like being in the vacation home of a friend or somebody. Mm. That's the, the the vibe that we loved, and I think we realized it. So, and, and does that make the guests additive, Wilbert, to the to the place? I mean, you know, quite often when you see big five star experiences, you know, guests come in and guests leave, but they're never really part of the community. They're never really part of the vibe of a place. I mean, is it the case that an Ashua guest does does more, is more, is part of more, or does just do people just sit on a beach and just chill out? No, I think they definitely feel more because they feel like they live in this little town. They live, they feel like they they live in the front that they actually are part of this uh, little community, and the the, the contact between uh, staff and uh, guests, let's say, it's it's a very different one than you're used to in a in a luxury hotel. It it goes all a little bit more friendly, a little bit more smooth, and very real in a way oh. because i really we like to treat our stuff as best as as good as the guests in so I suppose, I mean, I've read that you've described Ashura as, a, as an experiment as well as an experience. If you were to talk about the experiment from the point of view of the formula, or I guess the people, the team, the guests, the destinations, in terms of what that adds up to in terms of the sense of promise for people that might think, you know, well, I'd like to go there. Give them a sense of what awaits in terms of why they should come, I guess. Well, I would say uh, we, we started with a place where the local people were incredibly welcoming and incredibly friendly. And that had the potential, of course, for uh, great hospitality because friendly people make great hosts. But what Wilbur and I kind of envisioned in the very beginning was really elevating the staff because who better to give service than somebody who is happy and proud. Who better to, to greet you in a, in, a, in a hospitality environment than somebody who's having a great day and feels valued and feels uh, well-treated. And that was the premise really for starting the company, invest in the people and make sure that they know that we're on board with them. Very recently, there was a social media, I'm not a big guy for following Facebook chats or anything, but there was a wait. Wait till we get, wait till we have this episode launch, Bob. You'll be all over it. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was an interesting episode recently. There had been actually an unfortunate accident in a kitchen of a, of another business in in Trencoso. There had been a fire, and it started a thing about conditions and working conditions. And there was a little bit of a pile on 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 that business, and that they didn't take care of their their facilities and and. Amid all this stream of negative comments, a, a woman who hasn't worked with us for five or six years, she jumped on and she said, oh, well, actually in Ushua, 
it's really great facilities. And, and Wilbur actually eats lunch with us every day. And it was this just spontaneous uh, comment about the kind of atmosphere in our, our business to counteract a kind of a negative thing. But I have to tell you, I was really, really proud to read that. It was just mm. very honest, very spontaneous. And it's really what we were trying to always achieve is that the people working there don't feel inferior to the people they're, they're hosting and have this pride and that, that can make them give a friendly service. But I suppose also though, that, that gives a meaning and a meaningful experience for people. Cause you know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, not one of you has yet started listing you know, you can do this, you can do that. I mean, it's, it feels like quite a spiritual experience and I, you know, as stunning as it is, you're not, you're not talking to me about the views I can see right behind you there, Wilbur, which for the, for the benefit of guests is a, is a beautiful, lush outdoor uh, experience. It feels like there is something that is on a slightly higher plane in terms of what this place is and what its appeal to you certainly is. I think in a way this place has done for me and for Bob and actually for most of our friends that have been here. It's, it's a place that has been grounding us a lot and think very much about the important things in life. And some people have even said, like one friend of mine who, is all, who was also in fashion business, he, came, he used, used to say, oh, either I spend my um, money on a psychiatrist or I spend it on one week to, to come to your place. <laughs> But it's just because when he comes here, you forget about everything. That's mm. kind of the, the thing. Because it's kind of going back to original, very kind of rooted feelings uh, of the humankind, I guess. How do you think? So, so that, is, that is one of the things which I think is most important. I'm going to ask you to answer about each other. I mean, I mean, Bob, how do you think Wilbur has changed? And Wilbur, how do you think Bob has changed over, over the years that you've worked together. I mean, let's let Bob go first, and and then Wilbur, you you, you come in. But but tell us about about the Wilbur sort of like those years ago, looking for a holiday home, and now running this this sort of wonderful hotel. I don't feel like Wilbur has changed so much. I think that he has this context now to really work with his 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 values. There was something a little bit incongruous when he was creative director of a, a big global fashion house. And I, I, he can tell you the number of, of design pieces he was putting out a year as 12,000, I think. Uh, he's, uh, looking, he's looking more stressed <laughs> as you're speaking. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do, I do think fashion changed over the years that he was in it. It started as a, he was doing a very Italian production and, to, and it became this global thing with a lot of, of manufacturing in Asia. And I think that somehow there, there became a, a, a distance between him and his own values and the industry in, he was working in. And now I feel like it's almost kind of like a correction, not to speak bad about the fashion industry. I, it gave us the opportunity to do everything that we could do, but fashion industry does need to turn towards sustainability, I mm. absolutely well, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody would disagree with that at all. Wilbur, how do you see Bob's sort of evolution during the, you know, your, your journey with Ishua? Well, Bob, I think in the beginning wasn't as, because I was over my ears in love with this place. Like really, it was a, a very love at first sight. Bob, has, uh, has, has, it took him actually a few years to get to the same level as I did. <laughs> <laughs> Even if we were both completely in, in this for 100% and the, the creating of, the, of the, the whole concept and the whole, the whole place. I think Bob 
it took him a longer time to get into the vibe of this town and also to get him out of the sort of well, maybe not city, city values but uh, but may, maybe more western world environments where we both come from i think i think that has made him uh, the the whole activism has, has grown much much more uh, uh, over the last 10 years let's say and it's just only growing we we are both realizing more and more that we thought we could do something i think with the result of the, but without going on the streets but more actually by doing it and we saw the results quite fast after 3 4 years I, in, uh, immediately in our environment and and then i think bob took this whole thing up to make that even more uh, bigger part of, of his so his concentration on education on activism uh, become stronger and more important for us but, at the moment. but but for both of you it sounds like there's a consciousness that has been you know to somehow been achieved through living working growing your lives in in this very special place and i guess that that speaks to the activism of climate change is obviously something we've spoken about a little bit during this interview but of course it's not the only very difficult issue that the world faces right now coronavirus is sadly um another one of those how, how has the experience of the pandemic been for you and the local community Strangely enough, when you hear the, 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 the news about Brazil in, in Europe or in the States, it's always been really, really bad that the, everybody's been handling it bad. And they kind of have. But if I look at my Troncoso experience, actually the first eight months of the pandemic here in our little town were very, very well controlled. There was no cases. There was everybody was keeping their inside their homes much stricter than any other place that I've seen because I did travel during the European summer. I went to Europe. So I saw a very big difference between the two. Now, when the cases came up at the beginning of this year, yeah, there's been a lot more messier politically-wise. And but also the way they are con uh, conducting it here. And everybody is so tired here at the moment in the village because they didn't see anything. They didn't have any real cases around them to see. So they became a little more loose. So now they were in this, the middle of, of this place. We don't really know. There's more cases than we've seen previously. Still not like uh, what you would you would expect if you see the news. At the same time here, there's also a, a big peak in tourism. Mike, Michael, I, I have a kind of an interesting story to tell about the pandemic. Is In a strange way, it was a real opportunity, if, 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 if uh, it's a strange word to, to use, but we've been doing what we call you know sustainable tourism for over a decade there we even support an ngo which is about sustainable tourism is about training local young people to get good opportunities in in the tourism industry instead of having people arrive from outside from big cities with a little more skill and education and taking the good jobs so we've been really on this sustainability mission for for over a decade when the pandemic came, and it came quite suddenly in March 2020, from one day to the next, all hospitality businesses, restaurants and hotels were ordered to close. Mm -hmm. At that moment, I was pretty decisive. And I have a very good woman who works with me. Her name is Laura. She's our kind of community sustainability director. We immediately thought, okay, we need to get the food stocks from our hotel, from our restaurant, and from all the other restaurants and all the other hotels, we need to get those out in the community because they're, they're going to perish and there's no reason for that. And literally from one day to the next, we had kind of started a new charity, which was about feeding people. 
we didn't know how long the lockdown would be. We had no idea, but to, to see the food go to waste seemed senseless. So that start became a very major charitable initiative where over the next seven months, I think we were feeding 5,000 people in Trancoso because the economy literally shut down for seven months and the people, they didn't have preparation for this. And they, these were people living day to day. When I say the word opportunity, all of the powers that I think are not about sustainability, including the local government, including mass tourism uh, companies, they all disappeared in this period. But very visibly and very actively, and I think courageously, our business, other businesses who actually give a damn about community and, and sustainability, they all got together. Competitors alike, everybody worked just towards feeding people. That mm -hmm. was it. So Very that's simple mission. So it's interesting because I mean, I suppose that brings us back to my, my last question, which which is, you know, that, that lesson of community. You, you, you've said in the past that Assure is your attempt to share the life lessons of Transcozo in terms of the your, your sense of actually lessons for the world. And I suppose one of the things that we we've heard there is that this way of living equitably and living living in a way that feels like you're making a difference, doing things that, that, that sort of really feel like they come from a good place. I mean, is that the lesson? I mean, does, does, that, does that capture the kind of assured difference in terms of it being a good place, Wilbur? I, I think, well, this for me has definitely been a life lesson in the, in the sense of that every, I think simplicity and beauty, putting these two things together, with a very human approach, I think that it that is the most important thing in life. With simplicity and beauty, you can also achieve a lot of very good things around you. And this is not about buying, this is not about producing, it's just about doing things in a really simple and beautiful way. Mm, simplicity and beauty. Bob, what, what's, what's the lesson that you, the life lesson of Transcoso that you, you'd share with us? The life lesson for me is, is probably, you can, you can make a difference. You, you really can. Uh, the, the, the hopelessness and despair about this world, you know, the apathy that some people have, I don't buy into it because Wilbur and I, Wilbur's a uniquely talented person, uh, but I'm, I'm just a regular guy. And uh, we make a huge difference in a lot of lives. We make a big difference in the trajectory of families and uh, we're just, I'm just an ordinary person. So, you know, that gives a lot of, of, of meaning to me. The fact that if you really are decisive and you really set your mind to it, you can make some change in this world. Uh, I think you're very special people, if you don't mind me saying. And I, I love this story of the Trancoso holiday home that became a dream that others can share with you. Wilbur and Bob, thank you so much for joining me on Changemakers and sharing your story with us. Thank you very much, Michael. Thanks for listening to Changemakers with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And you can find out more about the Smith Hotels collection at mrandmrsmith.com, where listeners to this podcast can enjoy a special £30 discount off any of these extraordinary hotels with the voucher code CHANGEMAKERS. That's the voucher code CHANGEMAKERS for £30 off any Smith hotel. Thanks for joining us. Changemakers is brought to you by the campaign's firm Seven Hills and presented by me, Michael Heyman. Pure Being is the name of our soundtrack and it's written and performed by the brilliant BT Wolf. To find out more, head over to changemakers.works and if you like what you hear, why not give us a rating?